Welcome to the Eyeballs podcast number four with Lynn Hester. Hello. And Matt Darkin. Hello. And myself, Jerry Gilbert. We're going to start by talking about an item from BBC News Health, which is entitled Two Blind Men Have Electronic Retinas Fitted. This is a story about two British men who have taken part in a clinical trial and have had pioneering eye implants fitted that's allowed them to see some shapes and images. Anyone got any thoughts on this? Well, it seems to be the race to cure blindness for people who have RP between a genetic stem cell cure or technology. And this one seems to be entirely the technology side of it using technology rather than recreating cells from for example a stem cell so this is definitely the technology side I think if it became available to anybody who wanted to have it done I would imagine there would only be one doubt people would have which is if stem cell research suddenly had a breakthrough and you could have your retina replaced. The technology that has been fitted may have done some damage, so yeah. therefore you couldn't. But if it was like a, a really, you know, a sort of a, a guaranteed, as much as you can guarantee something, a guaranteed improvement, then personally I would I'd go for it. And then if in sort of 10, 20 years' time they say, ah, oh, now we've got the, the, the genetic stem cell cure... But unfortunately, because you've got this technology in your eyes, you can't, you can't have, have it. Cure or but to be honest, I wouldn't be that bothered. I really wouldn't. Because you can only speak for yourself. This is such an yeah. individual thing. I mean, if it is in 10, 20 years, I'll be 50 or 60. Mm. And, you know, I'll be thinking, that's Probably okay. macular degeneration. Yeah, then, <laughs> then you just lose your eyes at your old age. <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, I'd go for it. Yeah. Personally. My take on this is that people quite often assume that it's terrible to be visually impaired or to have no sight. Someone like myself have had no sight for a long time since childhood. Someone like you, Matt, who've lost really your vision in adult years. Mm-hmm. So your experience of dealing with the world is somewhat different from mine because I've had this for ages and ages and I've grown up with it it's Mm. been part of who I am Mm. people may say oh it's terrible that you are blind but you know probably was terrible when I was five years old and um, lost my sight I was in the hospital and all those things all that was terrible but I've done loads of things since that happened that have made my life good. Mm. And I they've tell- all been as a blind person. Yeah, so absolutely. if someone sort of says to you, well, we could cure your eyesight, make you see, yeah. yeah, I might like to have a go at it, actually. I might think oh, it'd be interesting to try it out if we yeah. could switch it on and switch it off again. Yeah, yeah. But it's a bit like changing your personality. Absolutely. I'd completely, because I've had that thought too. I totally agree with you. Whether you've lost your sight very, very early on, so effectively your whole life, your whole life you're blind, or even if you've lost your sight in, in your 
adulthood, once you become partially sighted or blind, then you know you do actually invest quite a lot of your life and effort becoming who you are as a blind person. Yeah. So in a way, if somebody suddenly went ding and there you go, you've got your eyesight back, you think, well, that was a big waste of time then, wasn't it? <laughs> Let's start all over again now. Um, yeah. So I think, you, you know... know the, the rehab the, workers can <laughs> you cope with vision. Yeah. yeah. A blind person can't spend his or her life being really bitter about the fact that they can't see because well, you can mm-hmm. if you like, but then you've wasted your life. I suppose this is the crux of what disability politics is about, isn't it? Because it is about, you know, people, you either spend all your time wringing your hands saying it's all terribly tragic and, you know, awful, or else you actually put your efforts into, say, campaigning for research, or you can put your efforts into, and I know it's not one or the other, but you can put your efforts into actually making change a different way. Because it seems to me like, the last 15 years, one of the things that's really got to me is that you can never get something from the hospital, an appointment in an accessible format. Meanwhile, there's sort of millions of pounds worth of research going on into solving blindness. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a Yeah, when millions of pounds is not actually really necessary to create something that would be quite helpful. There was the other thing, wasn't there, about um, there's two drugs isn't there? there's Lucentis yes and then there's another cheaper one that people have been using Ooh, and then there's and, uh, like that, yeah that's yeah. right and uh, you know it's all this up in arms thing about actually he hasn't got a license to yeah, deal with yeah. um, visual it's not been licensed to treat visual impairment mm. but it has for um, certain other conditions However, I don't know anything about that. What's Lucentis? Lucentis is the the one that's supposed to slow down age-related macular degeneration. And then they found another drug that wasn't licensed in relation to, you know, um, slowing down age-related macular degeneration, or AMD as it's often referred to, Mm. um, that this drug has the effect of doing that. And it's a fraction of the price so there's all this something debate. like a tenth of the price yeah so it's a, it's a debate about you know because all of these things also involve drug companies and big yeah. money don't they so mm. so there's a controversy whereby the manufacturers of Lucentis are bringing a legal action against the National Health Service really mm. because some treatment in various areas has been carried out using Avastin and the uh, Lucentis manufacturers are saying well that shouldn't happen because it's not licensed so we will try and get it encapsulated in law that that cannot happen Hmm. even though it's providing a benefit Hmm. (laughs) that's equal to their drug and they're protecting or would like to protect the fact that they get paid whatever Mm. to produce and supply Lucentis and they want to carry on with that I mean they would of course say well we spent a lot of money doing the research and coming up with this in the first place 
and we had to spend money to carry out trials to get it licensed. So why should some sort of, in their eyes, inferior product, because it has not been tested, why should that be used? Hmm. But going back to the um, the implants, do either of you spend very much time thinking what it would be like to regain or get for the first time full vision? No, because um, I suppose you just you know there's much more immediate things to sort out. You know, all sorts of things could happen to you, couldn't they? Do you yeah. know what I mean? And uh, I suppose. I have to deal with the here and now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about if a blind person spends their whole life regressing and feeling terrible that they can't see, well then it's almost like the blindness is won, you know. Mm. Personally, I don't really spend any time thinking, oh, if only I could see. I mean, I think I got more excited about the Google Surf Drive car. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the transport is the problem. That, I mean, mm. this is the different approach, isn't it? I mean, we could yeah. either... If we had half a million pounds each, would we gamble it on an op where we might be able to see a bit more or would we put it into buying a self-drive car? And on a bigger scale, that's where you have to wonder about funding and where the focus is. What you spend the money on, it's difficult... I have the dilemma where I think, oh yeah, that's really interesting, that's really good that they're doing this. And goodness knows how many thousands and millions are being spent on doing it. But I would quite like a Google car. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, if you're a good boy, we'll see what Father Christmas brings. <laughs> or something, you know, simple things which we... We don't have the finance to to obtain. Well, yeah, I mean, if it's something, I mean, you're right. I mean, if someone gave you half, gave me half a million quid, and uh, as you said, Lim, I mean, said you know, there's chart that you, you could spend this five five hundred thousand pound on an operation where possibly it might be a little improvement, but you know, it maybe maybe not. I wouldn't then spend it on that at all. I, there's, there's other things that are more important. But if it was a free operation. <laughs> yeah, and it was guaranteed to be a vast improvement then I would do it I know when I was about 15, 16 they used to tell my mother that they were so close to getting a cure for my eye condition and they tried to persuade her to take me up to Glasgow to go and see some specialist and they said oh they're really close to get you take your daughter up there really help with the research and I'm now 52 coming up to and they're still waiting for the mother to take the class. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we are more much closer than we were when I was 16, let's say that, because we yeah. have technologies yeah. plus stem cells and things, and the, the speed of technological plus Did medical you? breakthroughs are greater, aren't they? Coming up next, we're going to talk about something quite difficult. In the news in the UK recently two cases featured in which people have been suddenly and violently blinded. David Rathbun, a traffic police officer, was shot in the face in 2010. 
The resulting injuries left him with no vision. His attempts to come to terms with being visually impaired and his struggle to return to work were very publicly documented. Sadly, earlier this year, he took his own life. Tina Nash was horrifically attacked by her partner Shane Jenkin. He broke her jaw and gouged her eyes, leaving her with no sight. Unfortunately, doctors were unable to save her vision. The extreme nature of this crime has pushed Tina into the media spotlight and she's given several interviews encouraging those who are coping with domestic abuse not to be afraid to seek help. She's spoken about how she's dealing with her visual impairment and how it feels. There's probably no right or wrong way to speak about such things but we thought it important to try. So here we speak about Tina Nash. When we first heard about Tina Nash there was an interview that the BBC did with her which she said some quite depressing sounding things about having no sight and how it made her feel. It does seem that she is in a more positive frame of mind around being visually impaired. No? One thing is you don't know how the journalists have interpreted or uh, well, asked, asked the questions for the first point. Um, but the other thing that I think is really important in that is that she's named it as domestic abuse and asked yeah. for other people to contact and, and get help or ask for assistance about it, which is, is quite a key thing in this, isn't it? Rather than just talking at length about how awful her life is now. Yeah. Think. yeah. Seeing that there is something that can be done in that people recognising domestic abuse. It yeah. sounds like she's in a completely different place. He's changed his plea to guilty in the last yeah, few weeks, yes. which might have also changed how she's feeling about it. Because instead of having to fight him and go through a whole court case and be torn apart in the witness box, that he's actually said I'm guilty and she can feel that he's not in control anymore. I, w- I would imagine also she, she probably has good days and bad days. There was an early interview where she was saying, oh, it feels like I'm a ghost, Mm. which I've never actually heard anyone describe blindness like that. The only thing that I could draw from that, thinking it through over the past few weeks, was that there is a sense sometimes where people ignore you. When you have a guide dog, it's very different from when you're out with a cane, for example. But even with a guide dog, if you're in certain situations, like one that I brought was these central queuing systems that they have, sometimes it's a bit like you're not there because people can see where they're supposed to be and they go and get in the queue and often they just completely ignore you. I thought she meant more that people could see her but she couldn't see them. She could hear her children and her children could see her but yeah. she couldn't see them. Yeah. You know. But yeah, I mean, once she's out and about, she may experience this ghostly thing as well, which is... Where sometimes you're in a queue in one of our shops in this country, and sometimes you know you can be sort of ignored or something. 
but then the, yeah the interview I saw with her at a later date I presumably it was quite recently and she was like yeah you know it's, it's going to be alright you know but then in six months she might feel exactly where would she be in a year swing and that's where we'd have to look and this is where support yeah. services <laughs> yeah. of course come come in to, to when things go wrong or are not set up correctly in the first place mm. that sort of thing can throw you into that feeling of being a ghost I guess yeah. where you are from your point of view invisible because what you need is obvious to you but it seems like it's not obvious to everyone else who's in a role of assisting you with with setting up arrangements and setting up systems which work for you Hmm. and the flexibility around how that happens in terms of fitting services around what you require Hmm. is sometimes a crass business you know it's not a, a, a very developed science mm. Mm. but you know if she's got a strong as sort of people I saw in the interview say she's got you know such a strong positive character and all that you know mm. you can survive these things because people yeah, do well, mm. it, it didn't happen for us in the same violent fashion mm. but of course we have all lost vision mm. We are now doing things and coping with our lives, so it is possible that it happens. Mm. This is an extreme, extreme. sudden... I think one of the problems is with controlling men is that people think Mm. that they're people that walk around with two horns. Mm. Usually controlling people are people with two sides that Mm. you have a Jekyll and Hyde, so you have somebody who's incredibly caring... And then somebody who gets inside your head and makes you feel like it's your fault. That's how it works. Well, yeah, I mean, women and men with abusive partners often stay with them, so there must be a reason Mm. for that. I personally have no experience at all of that, but as you say, I would imagine it's that thing of, you know, one minute you're nice and you're just the best person in the world. And then, yeah, it's a miserable business, all that, I think. But moving to the point, you know, where you do something to change that dynamic, that's really difficult, I would think. Like you, I have no experience of this, personally. Well, she had to go to quite an extreme thing, didn't she, Tina Nash, before she... Well... A sort of a... Yeah, (laughs) astonishingly. I think the strength in it is the thing that she recognised it as for mm. what it is, as domestic abuse, and then like urging other people to deal with it, you know, early on, and not let it simmer, and the fact that she's determined to carry on looking after her kids, you know what I mean? Mm. Those two things are probably the strong things to start off with, really, to move forward. Matt has recently moved house, and the experience flagged up an issue. And we're going to talk about that now. So what were you thinking about here, Matt? I was just wondering about tiredness linked to eyesight loss. Because of moving house, the whole of the last two weeks, right, 
has been step ladders, boxes, paint pots, just total and utter obstacles, right? So every more or less an average of two steps I take at home. I'm not falling over, but you're going and kicking something, yeah? Or banging into something. And I I don't mind. But I thought to myself, this is actually really tiring. I want to get up and go into the kitchen. And it's a mission because you're thinking, right, well, I don't want to knock that over. And I know I think that's there, but it might be moved. Because this is when you've got builders and decorators and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really the fact that you can't see and you're trying to get from A to B in that kind of scenario is really tiring. And I just thought to myself, perhaps one of the side effects of being blind, possibly, is because every movement you make, regardless of whether you've got a house full of being decorated or whatever, every movement you make in your whole life is into the unknown. Because you can't see it, so you don't, you know. I mean, I know the table's here and you're there. But you see what I mean? And that can be, can it not, quite tiring. I think what happens though is like in your situation now where you've just moved house and I've it's six years now since I moved that but I can still remember is that there's well there's a lot of stuff that you carry around in your head in terms of memory and thinking about where you're going because mm. your head you carry a lot more stuff than mm. other people and then when you get something like that where people have moved things around usually when you can just get up and relax and just bundle around in your pyjamas yeah. and, and you, you know can't, where you're you going. can't do that from the moment you wake up you're thinking where things are how you're getting from A to B mm. it's concentration isn't it it's yeah and I think what, yeah, what, what, all that stuff in your head I mean I suppose an extreme example I would say probably one of the the most extreme situations is if you're in a, a house or a flat or something that is absolutely covered in obstacles yeah. that are also moving as well. Yeah, and that's a really, really, really difficult situation. <laughs> um, probably the hardest for a blind person to be in. Mm. And so yeah, that is really tiring. And as Lynn mm. said very well, I thought is that you're you're gathering and gathering and gathering information in your mind all the time trying to suss mm. things out and I suppose yes that can make you make it's you overload <laughs> but I wonder if you put the moving house to one side and you're yeah. just living you know and all you, you know just living your life is blindness tiring anyway because I mean say you know you go out for the evening you are probably absorbing tons of information and trying to sort of work things out maybe not even particularly yeah. consciously all I the time and that <clears throat> results in you feeling blooming knackered you know at the end. yeah I've, what I find is is listening is tiring if you go out for an evening at I don't know the pub or a restaurant there's a lot of background noise and you're involved in conversations you know and then all of a sudden you kind of hit a point and uh, it, it becomes harder to process yeah. what's going on around you I feel tired from that regularly not that I'm in the pub regularly but you know. <laughs> it's just if you a, go to theatre for example you know, you've got the concentration of listening to that yeah all the way through and working out what's going on 
I know we have audio description now, but but, Matt, or, but also maybe this is just me, but but perhaps to use the theatre as an example, you know, you're, you're mm. trying to follow what's going on, but also in your mind you're thinking, okay, well, how did I get to this chair? You know, yeah, do yeah. a quick spin yeah. back, and then you think, right, well, when we leave, I wonder Which if it's way that to way go, this way. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of sort of stuff going on. I know that you know running around a, a running track, you know, for three hours will make you tired mm. but does just not being able to see make you exhausted I must say I, I'm probably compared to most people I feel like I do need sleep and rest quite a lot do you know what I mean I like to chill out when possible we're not talking about laziness here because I, I you know, if you, yeah, I mean, I you can't. If you were a lazy blind person, you wouldn't be a very good blind person, would you? Because you just wouldn't do, be able to do anything. I don't think. So we've just offended but, all our lazy blind listeners. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, but no, I mean, by by the end of the night nowadays, especially now, I'm getting old, even though I'm the youngest out of the three of us, still getting on with it. And <laughs> the, by the end of the evening, I have no problem kipping. I have difficulty going to sleep mm. at the right time. I quite often will want to go to sleep at two o'clock in the afternoon, but when it comes to midnight, I'm a bit awake. <laughs> and yeah. Or three o'clock in the morning, more normally. <laughs> and uh, that can be a bit of a nuisance because it's fitting in around how the world works. Isn't but, it? Yeah, but is that. Um, your blindness or isn't it I mean it, well it, some people would say it is and that there's there's, there's been research, pat, yeah, some research there? that's attached to but if, if why you, this is if you're if you are someone who has no light perception hmm. which is is me that that light has a, a an effect on your body clock hmm. and altering it and keeping it in check hmm. And most people wake up when it's light and go to sleep when it's dark. Mm. But if you don't experience, or I don't know if it's experience, if light is not um, hit in the right spot, shall we say, because mm. you can't see it, that um, mechanism becomes altered. Mm. There are times when I'm tired you know people say oh well, I go out for a walk for a breath of fresh air but if I'm tired mm. often I don't feel I'm alert enough to go out for a walk even though I'd, I'd feel better about it mm. yeah. do you yeah, ever get it, do you ever get that when you just feel so tired because yeah, you if don't you're, feel alert if you're, you just, o- if you're sort of overtired mm. and you have to go out and about and do something mm. your general skills personally I can only say aren't as good mm. Because you're you're a bit sloppy, you know, you're a bit yeah. out of sync. Cause you're and the consequences tired. of that, if you can't see, are are probably greater than if you can see, because you've got an extra sense going on there, haven't you? If you yeah. if you go out for a, a walk to get a breath of fresh air when you can see, your eyesight is helping to guide you, your hearing's helping to guide That's you, exactly. your balance, etc. If you're tired as a sighted person and you think I'm, I'm feeling tired, I'm going to go and get a breath of fresh air, I'm going to walk around the park and come back. Mm. Chances are it will wake you up. If you're a blind person and saying I'm tired, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go and get my guide dog and go on a massive mission. When you get back, you're going to be so tired at the end of it. 
because yeah. of all the air, even more concentration. Yeah, I think that's the, the, the <laughs> point. Is you're having to concentrate to do something that, if you can see, you're not actually concentrating heavily on. You know, you're, you, obviously you have to concentrate a bit. Else you'll walk under a bus or something. Yeah, then then you'd be. <laughs> very much asleep then. Yeah, I was going to say, you'd be fairly tired after that. <laughs> <I can imagine. laughs> For all human beings, having a place where you can go home and just relax and know where things are. Mm, dogs too. And for for us, it's more so, because I mean, it's like mm. sometimes when I, you go off and stay somewhere else and everybody think, oh, I, I mean, I go in there and I think, oh, this is great, you know, all the beds are made, it's all clean, it's wonderful. Mm. And then think, oh, well, how do I get from A to B? Do you yeah. know what I mean? And then yeah. It's a lot going on a holiday, isn't it? You think? That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like when you get back from holiday, you need a holiday. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, mo- moving house, obstacles, bad. Mm-hmm. When it's all sorted, good. So, Jerry, is there any postbag this week? Well, we did have some more feedback from Warren. About blind astronomers? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so the question was that... Um, I think he we were talking right. about in one of our podcasts about the the night sky. I mm. think, and uh, I believe Warren uh, mentioned that uh, he lives in Duxford, all that area, and that the dark skies. He was yes, huge dark just night. saying yes. He was very familiar with those dark skies. Warren also posed the question as to whether there are any blind astrologers or astronomers. And that would be interesting if anyone has an interest or anyone who's working in that field who is visually impaired, please get in touch with us. Let us know what it's like, what you do, what sorts of experiences you've had. If you would like to send us some feedback, remember our email address is podcast at campsite.org.uk and we also have our feedback phone line and that number is 0845 287 4999 Well everybody, thanks for listening and that was Eyeballs episode 4 so it's just time enough now to say cheerio to everybody and we'll see you next time round for Eyeballs episode 5 Cheers Jerry Goodbye Cheers, Lynn. Goodbye. And goodbye.